Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub, coming to you from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing a sermon delivered by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, from the Heavenly Authority series. The current section is on the Lord's command to touch not his anointed ones. And when we left off, Pastor was in chapter 26 in 1 Samuel, where Saul has been pursuing David. David and Abishai have slipped into Saul's camp, and when Abishai wants to strike Saul to kill him, David, in verse 9, says, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. Do not touch. Do not strike. Who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Even in churches many times, there's a lack of respect for the anointing of God. If a minister is doing something wrong, approach him, tell him. Accusations should not be brought except by two or three in the church. And then if something's really going bad, there's plenty of churches to go to in this country. There's no need to have to tear down and destroy. Leave it in God's hands. Let God take care of it. If there's something wrong, God will deal with it. And if the gospel's being preached, there's any type of anointing there, respect for God requires us to respect the individuals doing his work. Then we read in verse... 10, David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. David said, furthermore, so do not destroy him. Who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And then he says, as the Lord lives, this is not, well, he's going to get away with it. Furthermore, as the Lord, as Yahweh lives, the Lord shall strike him. He knows he's out of the will of God. He knows he's gone too far. He knows Saul has gone too far. The Lord's either going to strike him or his day will come to die or he shall go into battle and perish because God's not going to protect him anymore. And that's exactly what happens. And David knows it. It's not that you can mock God. It's not that that ministry, that minister is going to get away with it. God will deal with them. But Dave is not going to be the one to do it. It's a very important principle in heavenly authority. Very important principle for the church. He says, furthermore, in verse 11, the Lord forbid, the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. David, as a young boy, saw Saul anointed in battle go out and save Israel. And that's in his memory. And while he sees the crazed man that God's going to deal with, he also knows the reality of the deliverance that came under Saul as king, and he said, The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away, and no man saw and knew it or awoke, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. 
There's a tremendous amount of faith in what David said, that God will deal with Saul and he will perish. That God is a sovereign over the life of Saul and will remove from office this king at his perfect pleasing time. And then he grabs the spear, they grab the jug, just like he took the corner of the robe, as proof that he was there. And it's clear to them that this is a miracle, because they're in the middle of the enemy's camp, and this deep sleep had fallen upon the men, this deep sleep that came from the Lord upon the enemies of David. Verse 13, Now David went over to the other side and stood on top of a hill far off, a great distance being between them. It's a great gulf between them, just like when Abraham and Lazarus are on one side and there's a great gulf between them and the rich man. There's a great gulf between David and Saul. And he cries out, he chides, he challenges Abner, the commander. Verse 14, And David called out to the people and, and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? They're hollering back and forth. So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? You're the best in Israel. You're the commander. You're the captain, the protector of Saul. Why then have you not guarded your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your lord the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master and the Lord's anointed. So he's given it to Abner. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. Verse 17. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. David's consistent. He's makes Saul his lord, his king, his master. He's the anointed of God. He's not going to touch him. He's not going to hurt him. He's like a father to him. Saul's the one that goes back and forth with saying, David, my son, and he wants to kill him with a spear and brings 3,000 men out after him. And he said, why does my lord thus pursue his servant? And again, David pleads his case before Saul. Now his words, like before, become like the music. Remember, the music doesn't work anymore, right? He used to play the music and Saul would calm down. But now when David speaks, the anointed words he speaks calm Saul down. For what have I done, or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please, let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. In other words, if I've done everything wrong, David's saying, I'll repent of it. I'll make an offering. If anything's wrong being done on my side, and it's the Lord bringing you out against me, then let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord Yahweh, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. So it seems that there are others around Saul that David knows about that are starting to stir things up using his insane jealousy for their benefit, evil men who want David out of the picture. Now, obviously, it's not Jonathan. And obviously, these men have more influence with Saul than Jonathan. Where is Jonathan? Jonathan is quiet in this whole thing, right? He knows his father's wrong. He stands up to his father about David. What has he done to you? But remember, Jonathan has a certain power, doesn't he? 
Because when push came to shove, and Saul made his rash oath, and then was going to follow through on it and say, kill Jonathan, what do the people do? They wouldn't touch Jonathan. They sided with Jonathan over Saul, right? So you wonder, you see Jonathan was such a great example in the Bible of obedience to God and anointing from the Lord. And he knows David's supposed to be king. He's not jealous of David. Let David be king. He doesn't care he's not going to be king. I'll serve at your side, he tells him. His love for David, he knows his father's wrong. But it doesn't seem like publicly, before the people, he stands out and says anything. And these other evil men come in and they're able to manipulate his father. Someone could say, well, you know, honor your father and your mother, that you may live a long life in the land. Is that honoring his father? Because Jonathan did not live a long life in the land. He dies right beside his father. But these evil men have gotten in, and they are now using Saul's madness and insanity, and they want David out. They're controlling things, and that's why David says, if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of Yahweh, saying, go serve other gods. Because if they say, get out of the land, you can't live here. They chase him out. There's no other place to worship Yahweh. All the pagan nations do not worship Yahweh. Israel is a safe place to worship Yahweh. So it's equivalent to saying, well, if you're going to live anyplace else, you're going to have to fall in line with the Philistines or the Moabites or whoever and worship their gods. Go worship other gods. We don't sometimes appreciate the fact that the land is connected to the worship. David's security in Israel means David can worship Yahweh in freedom. David without a country means at the mercy of the rest of the world, he cannot worship Yahweh the way he's supposed to. Otherwise, he dies. The land is connected to the worship. We have a land that we can worship God in. And you know, to the enemies of God, to the enemies of Yahweh, the existence of a Christian nation, a nation where Christians can worship Jesus Christ, sticks in their throat. They want to change it. They want it to be in such a way that there's no place for you to go on earth that you can worship freely. And think about it. You can't worship the way we worship in America or in Europe, right? You can't do it even up in Canada anymore. There's certain things you can't say from the Bible on radio. It's the same reaction as those Israelites in Israel, right? They can't stand that either. They don't like the Jews in Israel. Where's the safe place for the Jews? Well, the United States and Israel. They're not safe really any place else, are they? Right? And that's part of that hatred towards the Israels being in Israel. They want to drive them into the sea. And the same ones that want to drive them into the sea will take people that convert to Christianity and if they're baptized, kill them. To drive them out of the land, they'll kill them. That hatred for the worshipers of Yahweh. And what keeps us free to worship is a place to worship. That was the whole purpose of Israel, coming back into Israel, that the Holocaust could never happen again. They would have a safe place. But the world doesn't want it. And the world resents the freedom we have here. And there are those within our country that resent the fact that Christians are so free to worship and Jews are so free to worship the one Lord God. Because when they're against God, even if they don't believe there is a God, 
but they're against him. Naturally, there is a hatred for things of Israel and of Jesus Christ. Go, serve other gods, get out of the land. Verse 20, so now do not let, he says to Saul, do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of Yahweh the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. you got all these other people, evil people advising you, and you're coming out and I'm like a flea. I'm like something you go hunt when you go on a hunting trip. David's saying, I'm insignificant. And you notice the humility that David has. Why are you seeking me out? Pretty much what he was saying the last time. Then Saul said, verse 21, and again you have Saul's repentance. I have sinned. He knows it. I have sinned. Return, my son David. Come back to me, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. He's an error exceedingly. True. True. How true? He has played the fool. He has played. How many will say that at the judgment day, when all of a sudden their eyes are open and they see what they've done, I've sinned, I've erred, I've played the fool. We love to hear from our radio family to know if our program has helped you in your walk with the Lord. All correspondence should be mailed to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets at 10 a.m. on Sunday at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.